Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for. And sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. The Fred Rogers Center in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, is committed to staying true to the vision of Fred Rogers by helping children grow as confident, competent, and caring human beings. As archivist, Emily Uren oversees the cataloging, indexing, and organization of materials related to Fred Rogers' personal and professional life. Emily is a 2005 graduate of St. Vincent College, where she studied English and worked in the library as a student assistant. Her enjoyment of library work led her to the School of Library and Information Sciences at the University of Pittsburgh. She received her MLIS in 2007 with a concentration in archives and records management. Before we get to my conversation with Emily, it's time for a quick question for the librarian. Today, I'm answering a question that I get a lot from friends and parents. How do I get my kid to read more? I have a few tips. First, find reading that's at the right level for them. We use the five-finger rule at our school. If a student is reading independently, they should have no more than five words on each page that they don't know. Reading a just-right book is typically going to be more fun, and we want reading to be fun. My second tip is to let them read about their interests. There are scores of books on random subjects, and I am sure that the librarian at your local public library would love to help you find them. But my best tip is to read together as much as you can. Picture books have no expiration and reading chapter books aloud can help hook little readers on a series. I read Harry Potter aloud with my boys last year, and those were some of our best minutes together. We have busy lives, but even 10 minutes a day can add up quickly. For more ideas on this, check out the Read Aloud Revival online. There are resources, book lists, and even a podcast. If you have a question for the librarian, whether it's for recommendations or there's something that you've always wondered, you can submit your question to me at my website, juliewritewords.com slash podcast. Librarians love to find answers, so I look forward to finding some for you. And now, here's my conversation with Emily. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for asking me, inviting me. I am so thrilled. I had you first on my list because number one, I love Mr. Rogers and Fred's life has long been one that I've admired. I mean, that was the first show I watched as a kid and it's the first show I showed to my boys and I've just enjoyed it. And being in the library, I think I use his ideas so much. So I was so excited to talk to you and I'm fascinated by what you do because I think 
there's such a volume of information about him. And so I'm excited to talk to you today about all those things. Great. Yeah, I love to talk about Fred, so <laughs> I'm excited. That's perfect. Let's start with, tell me about the Fred Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. So the Fred Rogers Center was actually an idea of Fred's before he passed away. And he wanted it to be at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, his hometown. And he had an idea that the Fred Rogers Center would be a place where people who were interested in creating media for children or working with children in some way would have a place to come and study his work. So he also thought that he would become an adjunct professor at St. Vincent and come here to teach classes. So he had this vision for a center that would house his archives and also have an exhibit devoted to his work. The exhibit, he didn't have it in mind just to be a museum, but he wanted it to be a place where like researchers who maybe were just starting out could come and learn about him and then dive more deeply into the archives. So he wanted it to be a place for students to come and research and create new projects based on his work. The center was established in 2003, just after Fred passed away. And you know, we followed the original intentions of Fred and making it a place where people who would create new media could come and study. But over the years, I feel like the center has really transformed. And now we don't work in that field of children's media. We learned that just wasn't our place. Fred's production Mm -hmm. company, which is now, it was formerly Family Communications, they are now Fred Rogers Productions. They're the ones who know that field and are experts in that field, and they are still creating children's media. Where we found, where we fit in better is working with adults who work with children. We work with teachers and people who work in childcare centers, people who work in children's hospitals, basically anyone who has a relationship with a child, you know, can benefit from from working with us here at the Fred Rogers Center. So we have the Fred Rogers Archive, which is basically the foundation for our work. And we learn about Fred and from Fred. And every project that we start is based on research that we do in the archive. And then Some of the projects that we currently have are Educators Neighborhood Program, where we work directly with teachers who want to use Fred's influence in the classroom. We have a project called Simple Interactions, where we work one-on-one and film and record the people like crossing guards or the children's hospital workers who are working with children. We record their interactions with children, and that helps to it helps them to see you know, their, their strengths in, in working with children. And also it helped, helped us to, you know, actually witness those, those interactions between adults and children to inform our work. Um, Absolutely. I'm sure that's, that's such an honoring way to go about it too. Like you're saying, you're letting them see their strengths and also recording that for others. Mm-hmm. I love that. Exactly. That's fantastic. Okay. So a question for you, when you were younger, did you always want to be a librarian? And I'd love to know how you got from point A to where you are now. So I've always loved reading. So librarian or working in a museum were actually my two career 
you know, choices when I was little. Oh, really? What was your favorite book when you were little? I had a series that I loved. It was the Babysitter's Little Sister series. So not like Babysitter's Club. I read a few Babysitter's Club, but it was the Little Sister, like spinoff series with Karen Brewer. Okay. That was Christie's stepsister. Okay. I was going to say, now, which babysitter was it? Because I feel like Stacy is the one that, Stacy and Claudia are the ones that are always just going to be in my mind as their names. Okay. So Christy's younger sister, the spinoff with her. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. It was was called Babysitter's Little Sister. And because it was a series, I could just continue reading. And my parents were always buying me those books. So I always loved reading. And I also loved museums. So I okay. I think it's interesting how those two interests have kind of merged in this in this work. So I knew when I entered college I wanted to study English. So I was a student here at St. Vincent College okay. program and I worked in the library as a student assistant and all four years and I I loved the library work. What was your favorite part of working there? Like that work, what what was great for you? I liked shelf reading and shelving books. So like making sure the books were in order and yes. putting them back into order. Yes. <laughs> I love that you love that because some days I love it and some days I think that's how I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> so it sounds like that was just right up your alley. So are yeah. you naturally very kind of a fastidious person? Is your desk very organized? Are things all at right angles? Actually, no. Like, <laughs> things are more, I think, more organized in my head than they are physically because, no, I definitely, out of everyone here, I have the most cluttered office and cluttered desk. <laughs> Everything else is very neat, but I always blame it on, I just have like so much. Absolutely. That I, I should. <laughs> yes. Where are you going to put everything? I mean, that's that's not down to you. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, slightly messy desk, but we've already established that's not your fault. You loved reading shelves and shelving books, and so you were at the college. And then after you graduated, then what happened next? So, when I graduated, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So, I'll go to graduate school, but I'll either study library science or English. Okay. And I- well, since I enjoyed library work so much, I'm going to go into library science and hopefully, you know, create some sort of career out of, out of that. Well, I went to the University of Pittsburgh in their library and information science program. They had a concentration in archives. And I thought, well, archives, that gets me maybe a little bit into that museum work and also when I was at St. Vincent, I minored in anthropology. So I liked that idea of like archives studying people and being able to learn about people through archives. So, yes. so I, I chose that track of coursework and concentrated in archives and records management at Pitt. And how I became involved with the center that way is right when I was graduating from St. Vincent and making the transition to Pitt. That's when they were starting to establish the archive here. And it was the director of the library, Brother David Kelly, who was named the original archivist. And you know, he knew that I was going to Pitt and I still wanted to try to 
maintain a connection with the St. Vincent Library. And he he said, why don't you, you might be my intern. And since you're going to be in Pittsburgh, you can go through the files at WQED. Because at that point, Fred's production company, Family Communications, was still located at WQED and continuing okay. work. And so yeah. I started going through files there and would just open boxes, do inventory, and send those back to Brother David. So that's how I got started. And did you like doing that? Did you find that that was fun for you as well? Yeah, I did because it was a, it was a nice job because I felt like I was learning, but it wasn't like like hard, difficult, taxing work. Do you know what I mean? I was, yes. being, I was there. I was able to you know read letters and read Fred's speeches and things and newspaper articles and just write summaries of them and send them back to Brother David. So it was actually something that I really enjoyed and felt like I was learning from rather than it being like work, work. You know it what sounds, I mean? Yeah. It sounds like it was a more sort of that more absorptive kind of learning, a little more holistic and not the, let me just take this in and then mm-hmm. repeat it back to you sort of thing. But you really were able to integrate, it sounds like some of that learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That is so cool. So you started learning more there and then ended up, and then did you move back after you were finished at Pitt? Yeah. So okay. when I, this, uh, there were three semesters at Pitt. That was the length of the program if you went full time. Okay. So I had it like a year and a half in Pittsburgh and then came back to the Latrobe area and started working full time with Brother David. And at that point, Rather than just doing like inventory of boxes, that's when I started actually cataloging items and getting them into our campuses, like library database systems, so that they could be searchable by students. And we knew that eventually, because at that point, the Fred Rogers Center building still wasn't built yet. So okay. we were still like preparing for the time when we would be able to move into this building and get the boxes up on the shelves and then be available to researchers. So, so I was starting that cataloging process of getting things searchable within our system here. Amazing. And I was looking at the website, I was seeing the Fred unboxed Mm -hmm. area. Are you involved with that as well? Or is that someone else's jurisdiction? Yeah. So that is something that I put together with, it's just a sampling of, some items from the archive. And what I did was I based it off of how how researchers usually work here and that they come in with a subject or theme in mind and want to see all documents related to that particular subject. So I kind of just went through and picked out one of the most prominent topics in the archive and some examples. So Fred Unboxed is just like a very small example of the types of items that you would be able to see if you came to do research in the archive. It's so well done. I really enjoyed looking through it and seeing what's in there. So good job. I'm, I'm excited to look at it more. And I especially love that you included the ability to search by some of the, the songs or the episode themes a little bit more, those themes. I, I loved that because I think so much of what we remember of Fred is a certain song or a certain episode, right? Outside of the crayons, of course. I feel like mm-hmm. everyone and their mother knows the crayons, but, mm-hmm. you know, the other stuff. Yeah, and that's that's true because sometimes people will 
will come to do research just on a particular theme week that was presented. And sometimes if if people maybe want to visit, but they don't have that particular topic in mind, I I tell them to go on our friend's website. If you know neighborhoodarchive.com, Tim Leibarger runs that. And um, he's a friend of ours here. And he has like the episodes broken down into all the themes. And you can look at his website and look at all the different theme weeks. And you can look at all the songs. And so sometimes I, if people are thinking like very broadly, and we need to narrow it down a little bit. I tell them, go on neighborhoodarchive.com, look at all the theme weeks that Fred did. And then, you know, what what's most interesting to you? And we can start from there. Absolutely. You're a keeper of a legacy. It's mm-hmm. so, it's tremendous to see. I mean, and I'm looking, I know people won't be able to see, but just all the materials behind you. So how yeah. big is your area of materials and archives that you're taking care of? So in terms of like physical size, sure. we, yeah, we've got, just looking here, two, we've got about six sections of shelves that have like five rows of shelves on, you yeah. know, in section. And for like the amount of paper documents that that's here, it's for our cataloged portion of the collection there are like about 22,000 items and then but that's just one portion of it we still have a lot of material to inventory and really how much do you have that you'll I mean what percentage through are you do you think uh, so with with cataloging we're probably about like 70 percent through with what will end up in the catalog as like but there's a lot of boxes here that you know, we started on the inventory process and also we received more boxes in all the time. So there have been periods of time where we thought, like, okay, we're we've had we have everything that we're gonna <laughs> right. You know, but then someone retires from Fred Rogers Productions and says, Oh, I have like all these items, or you know, they dive into their warehouse spaces. They're like, okay, we found more things for the archives. So, so we're always getting more in and I think that the collection will just continue to grow because, too, once the cataloging is done, we're also hoping to get the collection digitized. And so then having that digital collection, like in addition to just like, you know, all the paper documents here that people have to come here to yes. see in person, we can hopefully in the next few years for a digital archive experience that will be more in-depth then Fred unboxed and okay. staff here will be able to, you know, access an online database where they can go in and look at particular documents. And so, so I think the the collection will be eventually in the hundreds of thousands of, of items. Incredible. Do you feel happy when someone brings in a new box or is it mixed emotions? Like, thank you, but also I thought I was done. <laughs> Uh, it's always really exciting. <laughs> like I love getting more because what I deal with sometimes is you know having maybe some items that it doesn't seem complete, like some correspondence where maybe it feels like there's some letters missing. Yes, uh, you know maybe a story is not completely told in the archives. And I'm wondering like 
okay, what else is there? Or sometimes people will contact us who either worked on the program or knew Fred or something. They remember things that they're they're looking for that might be in the archive and maybe we don't have them yet or maybe it's in a box here that I haven't opened and done an inventory of yet. So Right. Because people keep calling you and asking you to talk on podcasts and you're like, look, I have boxes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's exciting to see what we got, but sometimes it's intimidating to just knowing the amount of material that there is. That makes total sense. You really are a treasure hunter though, because I'm sure in every box, it's a mix of detritus mm-hmm. and then gold. Mm-hmm. What's been your, like, do you have something that you found or came upon that was your favorite or not even a favorite, but something that what feels most special to you when you come upon it or what you've cataloged so far? Yeah. It's always hard for me to pick a particular item, but okay. for types of items, I like anything that has Fred's handwriting on it, whether it be like a complete page or notebook full of his handwritten notes or just a note that he made on something else. Because then it's like, you know, that that piece of paper connects directly to Fred. Like he, he wrote on it. So that's one part of it. But then also it's like, you're getting his thoughts yes. directly to you from that, that paper. So I like the handwriting, but for like a particular item, we do have like Fred's handwritten first versions of like the opening and closing songs for the neighborhood. So that's always an interesting piece to be able to show someone who might visit here and is interested in in Fred's music. So I love that you have those different sides of it too, because I think something that I learned, I read The Good Neighbor when it came out, of course, and dog-eared about 50 million pages, but I... I didn't fully appreciate his musicianship before that, I think. And and seeing all of that, my husband was in music, so he has the ear for that. But I just, I love seeing those different elements of who he was as a person. And it's fantastic to know that those are all included in those different ways. Yeah. And that, that it started with music, that he, that's what he studied in college. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, thinking, I just always thought of him as Mr. Rogers with the sweaters, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of props and things from the show as well, or is it mostly documents? So it's mostly documents, but we do have a few smaller props and things that have, you know, come through in the, in the various boxes. And that's another thing where I can use the neighborhoodarchive.com. Like if I come across a prop, that, you know, just off the top of my head, I don't know what episode it's from. I can kind of search his website because he too has pictures from, from the episodes. And so we do have a few props, mostly things that were made by the art department at WQED. In our exhibit here, we have the puppets and sweaters and the trolley and Daniel's clock. But at the Heinz History Center in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. they have the living room set and the castle and the tree. And so the Heinz History Center, they're more the keepers of those 
set pieces things than than we are. We're we're more of the the paper document. So there are some things like that we're in warehouse storage that you know we're more su more suited for Heinz History Center, and then other things we're more suited. We're here at the Fred Rogers Center. That makes sense because it sounds like what you're saying is the thrust for the Fred Rogers Center is really about the connection with children and sort of those forward thinking ideas that he had mm -hmm. at that time. So, mm -hmm. right. Okay. I find that so wonderful and inspiring because now it feels like social emotional is coming back. Mm -hmm. it, there was, a, it feels like a, a time where that wasn't as talked about, especially for kids. And you look back and Fred was saying that in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> Far ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. So did you grow up watching Mr. Rogers? Yeah. So I, when I think back on it from my childhood, like I, I remember it. I remembered what it was. I remembered all the characters and their names, but yeah. I couldn't remember specific things about it except for the crayon factory. Like I couldn't remember specific episodes or like things that Mr. Rogers did or something like that. That just wasn't in my head when I started this work. And I, talked to my parents about it and I asked like did I watch a lot of Mr. Rogers and yeah. they said no you liked to watch like videos and movies more than like what was on television and so I think that it was something that I saw occasionally but didn't keep up with so it was when I started working with brother David originally when I had started at, at Pitt that like I, I was lucky because our local station WQED was still airing Mr. Rogers. So I was able to see it on PBS and, you know, then I appreciated the program, I think more so than I did when I was younger. And now I watch Mr. Rogers all the time because I want to be able to, you know, have that knowledge about the episodes too. Like as I'm working yes. with paper documents, see how, how that translated onto the, into the television program. So I watch it a lot now and I can, it's something that I can watch while I'm working and it's like weirdly not distracting. You know what I mean? It's like, it can yes. play and I can still do my work and look up at it, but it's not something that I feel like, um, yeah, distracts me too much. That makes complete sense. Actually. I remember very early on, right. I was one of those textbook parents when my kids were little. So of course I told my mom, they can't watch television until they're two. You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics would have my hide. And she said, Julie, no one is going to get ADD watching Mr. Rogers. She said, it is. The, and it's true. Sometimes we would watch it and it is, it's very soothing. I mean, I think he came through in a lot of that, but yeah, I'll have to put that on in the background instead of, you know, whatever show my teenagers are watching. It's Mr. Rogers time, everyone. Yeah. G give it a try. <laughs> well, maybe it will soothe them as well. <laughs> soothe the savage beast. So, okay. Well, a couple just fun questions for you. What are you reading right now? Are you a reader now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you've moved on from babysitter's club, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? What's on your nightstand right now? Okay. Right now it is, I, Sadly, don't know. Is it The Magus by John Bowles? Okay. He wrote The French Lieutenant's Woman. Okay. I love that you're looking it up. <laughs> this is so true to your job and your nature. You're like, I'm going to, I want to make sure this is specific. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so the thing I think what's throwing me off is 
it was a book that I found on my bookcase that I don't remember where I got it or like why I picked it. And a mystery. I love it. So that's what I'm reading for my physical book. But I I always have a physical book and a Kindle book. And my Kindle book is something that I'm rereading right now. It's The Long Sandy Hair of Neptune Zamora. And it was written by Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. And I'm rereading it because Mike Nesmith passed away recently. And I've always been a big fan of the Monkees. So when I found out about that book of his a couple years ago, I'd bought it on my Kindle and read it and was actually really impressed by it. And so I'm rereading that now. I had no idea he wrote. And I grew up loving the Monkees. Yeah. It's, you have excellent taste, clearly. Mr. Rogers, the monkeys, I mean, Babysitter's Club, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so those are the two you're reading. And also, I appreciate that you have that distinction because I do the same thing. And sometimes I'm reading a nonfiction, a fiction, and an ebook. And I can somehow, right? But there's something about the different formats that helps me keep it straight in my mind, also. Yeah, well, I, I have to say, like, for my taste, I, I only read fiction. I, I am not a fan of, well, I shouldn't say I'm not a fan. I have read nonfiction before, but like more so when I was younger, actually, like my, my teenage years, I read more okay. nonfiction than I do now. And then I kind of gave it up and I'm just a fiction reader. Although I don't like too much fantasy. Like I, it still has to have basis in reality for me to, to enjoy it. I can appreciate that. Yes, there are certain elements where my mom, for example, she hates time travel. Anytime I say, try this book, she's like, are people traveling in time? I don't want to do it, (laughs) which I appreciate, right? Know what you like. It's not a bad thing. And I can see how maybe you get enough nonfiction reading in your day job too. So fiction sounds like it would be soothing. Yeah, because I I read a lot of articles around the day, like newspaper, magazine, speeches. (laughs) I bet you do. With it. <laughs> Wonderful. So what's your takeaway? I mean, in terms of working at the center, I guess my last question is what what do you love about what do you love about your job and what do you love about the center? About the job, I do love that I get to read different things every day and can learn from this job. And I'm mostly like by myself in just a quiet environment for most of the day, but I do love when researchers come here and I get to work like one-on-one with, with people. That's my favorite part of the job is helping people with research and finding documents for them and going back through the collection and being able to pull things and have other people read them. So absolutely. So that's what I like most about the job. And then about the center is everyone that works here I feel like is just naturally kind of takes on the heart of the center. Like this work is important to everyone who works here. And I think everybody sees it as more than just a a job. Like this is important work and we are working with a person's legacy and promoting that legacy. So it's, it's a big responsibility. And I think one that, that, everyone here, you know, just is comfortable working with and everyone here is able to 
you know, further that legacy. It's just the personalities I think that we have here. Yeah. And yeah, everyone gets along, you know, we have fun at our staff meetings and we can get together and have lunches and, you know, laugh together. But yeah, we also have a good working relationship together. So, and we're a small staff. So what a gift. Yeah. That's a good thing to have. Well, I have to say, I mean, as someone who works with children in the elementary library setting, I, we watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I talk to them about the things that I know about Fred. And I often say what's mentionable is manageable, which I know is in your Fred Unbox as well. There are just so many wonderful gifts. And I can think of nothing more encouraging than thinking about the work that you all do. So thank you. It's It really is wonderful to know that it is continuing on because it is, you said it, it feels like important work to all of you and it is important work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm fascinated. I think maybe when I grow up, I want to be an ar- archivist. We discussed this. I was saying it wrong the whole time, but so I'll put that on my list. Maybe I could work in a museum, but I don't know mm-hmm. if I... I don't know if I have the patience. We'll we'll have to discuss more and you can break it down for me. You can give me a little <laughs> a little run through. Like mm-hmm. a gauntlet, right? You can ask yeah. me difficult questions. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Emily. You're welcome. Yeah. It was nice to talk with you. Nice to talk with you too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.